Welcome to the Only One Business Show with me, your host, James Nathan, chatting to some of the UK's leading business professionals, sharing tips, insights, and advice on how to create amazing customer experiences whilst building bigger, better, and more profitable businesses as a result. What can you do in your business today and in the years to come to truly delight your clients? What exceptional experiences can you give them to take away and cherish? How can you delight the most important person in the world? Satisfaction makes you one of many. Delighting clients makes you the only one. And you can't be just one, you have to be the only one. Welcome to the Only One Business Show with me, your host, James Nathan. And in the studio today, I've got a fantastic guest for you, a really good guy and a good friend of mine as well, which is uh, which is always lovely to, to tell you. He's, uh, he's a career manager who enables his individual and private clients to reach premium earnings and reward. The last five increased by 40%, 40 He's the author of The Job Magnet, which is a best-selling book on how to access the hidden job market, and he's passionate about enabling individuals to own their careers, to ensure they unlock their talent to be in control of their lives. And he sent me a great quote. It says, the illiterate of the 21st century won't be those who can't read and write, but those who can't learn, unlearn and relearn. I absolutely love that. Please welcome Adrian Evans. Adrian, how are you? I'm really well, James, and real privilege to be here today. And, and thank you very much for inviting me today. A, a real thank you. Yeah, uh, look, I know how busy you are, so uh, so it's it's a real treat for me to get some uh, some of your time as well. Alan Toffler, that's a great quote. Uh, Where did you find that one? Well, it's actually interesting. When I was um, researching my book, um, and it is true to write one book, you probably read to, you need to read 180. Um, <laughs> obsessed with reading and keeping, but it just seemed to capsulate the world that we're in. You know, I'm a bit of an obsessive learner anyway, and just just a little bit of sure. as to why that is. You know, to me, it's your insurance proof of an ever-changing world. You know, we're entering the fourth industrial revolution. And I was only watching an interesting program the other day on the Open University. And they were talking about is that, you know, that the, there's certain systems, especially our education system, it's broken. It's not ready for the agile, ever-learning world we need to in the world and i just thought that was a beautiful quote I, I wish i'd created that one myself but the truth yeah absolutely challenge what we've already learned and in some cases unlearn it and then say what's fit for purpose for the career i want tomorrow um that i want to take forward and actually have a fulfilling life etc like particularly true for, for children you know for children I'm father of two just like yourself and you know really keen to to make sure they're they're set up um, for success in their lives. And I think having an adaptive learning approach like that is is key. It's interesting that, isn't it? Because obviously we, our kids are similar ages and yep. in high school and, uh, you know, my boy's just gone to high school this year. And my, my daughter's going to do that in a year or two's time. But the um, the way that they're taught, I can see such change from the way that I was taught. Yep. Um, but you think there's a long way to go. Mm, yeah, you, you, I don't want this to turn into a rant, <laughs> but um, rant, rant away. No, 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 it's it, for me. I gave my kids an, um, a real challenge when they were both sort of five and seven, and I remember being in the car one day, coming back from cricket practice, and I said to them, "There's, there's one challenge I'd, I'd, I'd love you to have in your world, which is, what is most important to you that you need to learn? So, in other words, what are you passionate about? What are you purposeful about, etc.? And then ask yourself the question." 
how do you learn? How do you learn best? And what I was challenging them to do was almost get them ready for the school system. Now, I've got two very different children. I've got a, um, fair to say, pretty bright, um, academically son, he passed the 11 plus. And mm -hmm. give an example, we only went out the other day for dinner for his birthday. And his two mates, like they call themselves the Kinos. Yep. And they're singing the periodic table as we're having it. So <laughs> you, you get the flavor. Yeah, that's sort of good. That, that wasn't me when I was a kid. Right. But that's there's them. A, they're the pulsating brains that I used to look at and think, I've got, I actually don't even understand what goes on in your head. You're so bright. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, and then I've got a very determined um, daughter who isn't an academically strong. But, you know, I joke, she's a leader. She's already, she's social glue. She, you know, people magnetize towards her because she's such a great, empathetic, warm individual. Right. They right. So a bit more like you then. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, is that, but that means, you know, Matthew, yeah, yeah. Matthew can learn by rote. He could absorb a book. You know, we bought him a couple of books the other day. They're just devoured in, you know, mm -hmm. two or whatever. And then he can write a great pricey on that in great English and all that sort of stuff. Amelia, she's got to live it. She's got to live it. Right. Feel it. She's got to be, what, what what's the purpose, dad? What, what will this do for people? You know what's right. So if I'm going to do, and the best thing she can do, and she's a brilliant coach. Um, she, she's a big hockey player, but she she coaches younger children, particularly the under eights, and she loves okay. transferring knowledge. So for her, if she can get some knowledge, almost the first thing she wants to do with that is, who else can I pass this on to? And I remember one day when she was younger, and there was a lad. He was really struggling. He was getting all sort of worked up because he didn't know what twelve times twelve was. And she said, "Ned, that's no problem. It's 144, mate. Don't worry. That's fine." She's not a holder of knowledge. But so therefore, we need to be adapted. You know, people, right. learn, children, we do, etc. And the quicker you can learn how you learn best. And I know podcasts, that's why we're so, in, you know, I suppose, is our audiences love podcasts because you can put them in. Um, the only problem I think with podcasts is they can be a bit passive. It's a bit like watching TV. So right. make them purposeful, have, have a purpose, they're listening to them. So that's why I'm so passionate about this, because if you're not learning, uh, the truth is you're getting left behind in this world. And so these guys that you've managed to get such enormous increases in, in, in package or, sure, salary sure. or, or how, however, what's the difference with those? Because obviously there's a, there's a talent that you bring to help them achieve those results, but there's also got to be an innate position for them in, in the first place that they're worth that. What, what's the difference with people who can, who can achieve that kind of, kind of jump? Okay, okay. So let, let's clarify first of all. Um, I've got a, um, a pretty narrow niche of who I focus on. So I mainly focus either with um, very ambitious um, enterprise sales professionals, so people who are selling top end technology uh, right. and already very successful at what they do, or um, finance directors or CFOs. So it's quite a discerning marketplace I'm already in. Okay. However, what all of my clients typically are um, their competence is higher than their confidence. Right. So what the, that's the delta. So by the time mm -hmm. you add my methodology, um, how to ask, well, first of all, let's break those systems down. So first of all, given share, let, let's go back. This is supply and demand. Sorry, is for me is organizations that are shareholder value. They will drive down um, the best bargain they possibly can with employees. That is a fact. Okay? Sure. And being head, ex-headhunters -head ourselves, we know, we know that game. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah so yeah. if you start from that premise and then typically an employee is, is very very focused on doing his job or her job. They're not focused on maximizing their income, even in enterprise sales. Okay, right. And when you then bring a methodology to that, but the first thing you bring to that is what value do you provide to this organization? 
And many of my clients are not just very good at individual contributors. They're very good at adding value to teams. They're very good at adding and passing business on to other people, setting up systems that are scalable, etc. So when you add up all this, this is big old number that adds up seven, seven figures plus. So when they ask for 20K more, 30K more, 44, and they're very proactive about it, and they're very accurate about how they ask for it as well. And my right. goal is to get people to be appropriately rewarded. Yeah. Okay. That That's the process we actually go through um, to, to make that worth. And, you know, I always joke, and I, I could never, for instance, have a client whose confidence is much higher than their competence. It probably wouldn't sit with my values. Not don't want to get yeah. political about it, but someone like Boris Johnson, you know, mm-hmm. confidence is way higher than his competence. Yep. I probably right. couldn't help somebody. I could probably help his skills, actually. But um, <laughs> on a joke, like that. So that's what I'm – so I love working with my clients like that because they usually display huge ambition but a great level of humility. And that really works well for me. It's a privilege to work with them. That's an interesting kind of mix in business, isn't it? Because those are the people, I guess, that, uh, that most of us would uh, would enjoy working with much more than the overly confident. Indeed, absolutely. And we've all come across this and say, we're ex-headhunters and we work for a very confident business previously. Um, but but a lot of that, is, it's always, and I think if you can get, it's like each one of these things in going back to the, the negotiation. I think if you can find a place where competence and confidence meet, it's a great yep. place to be. And also for me, being over-rewarded, um, you know, it, sorry, overselling yourself is as bad as underselling yourself. I think it's a real tightrope of, of how to negotiate. And the, the, the sad truth is you don't get paid what you are worth. You get paid what you negotiate. And um, interesting. that is you know, all the way through my headhunting days, et cetera, et cetera. That is what I realized. And, uh, and I love adding value because what that could mean to certain people, their families, the difference it makes in their lives. But it's already for reward that they should be receiving anyway. So I, I don't see it as any, any big thing. Which Yeah, so it's helping people achieve what they're worth. Yeah, which absolutely. is uh, which is a, which is a great thing. You you mentioned ever changing world before and uh, and how that links to education. What makes a good business person in this world? What what do they need to be to be successful? Uh, for for me, I'll sum that up in threes. I, I like I like breaking things down into threes. I think for me is it, you need to be aware and be solving an evergreen problem um, on a daily basis. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think for me, the next piece is, and we're going to talk about customer service undoubtedly, but you have to be obsessed with customer service. You have to be constantly trying to get better at that for me. Um, and it was, I was only saying, so, and the other one then is adaption. So an evergreen, solving an evergreen problem with exceptional customer service that's been appropriately paid for and constantly adapting and um, questioning. Those are the three things I think that, that, that service, you know, a good example for me, one of my mentors, He's 70 odd years of age, sold a, um, a great professional services business out for many millions many years ago. And I remember I asked him a question even when he was in his 60s. And I said to him, um, one, why are you working? Because he didn't need to financially. And I mm-hmm. said, how do you learn? Okay. And he said to me, I learn from anyone and everyone every day. And I will implement that into the next client interaction I have as soon as possible. And I remember at the time thinking, Jesus, no wonder you're successful with that mindset. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So when you look at people like that and then you look forward and you think, right, okay, so by the time Matthew's in the workforce, he's got, what, 10 years to go till he's, uh, yeah, he's, yeah, he, yeah. he goes through a higher education or what have yeah, you. Yeah. How will that be different then? Well, for me, I, I think 
whilst things are changing, I think that things that things are ever staying the same. And I think I go back to this as well. Is I personally have a conviction. I did say this to the kids the other day. Is particularly in Britain. Yep. Is if you service very well um, a an evergreen need. OK, mm-hmm. valuable to people's lives, to their careers, etc. One, you'll always have a job and probably you'll always have a business. OK, so yeah. for me, what are those evergreen needs that people always actually have and how do you do them? And then how how do we put that service component? Because I think for me, I asked all of my clients recently, um, when was the last time you had customer exceptional customer service? Yeah. And first of all, I didn't normally they're very, very responsive at coming back on stuff. Yeah. yeah. I did a list of people, et cetera, a list of organizations. But I just I got a load of questions. Oh, well, what do you mean? Do you, do you mean in business? Do you mean um, do you mean consumer? Do you mean well, one of them quite a few of them nicely said, apart from you, I assume, which I thought was quite nice. But um right. and right. so the the constant and then a whole lot of people just didn't respond. I was like, wow, you know. So for me, the, the constants are obviously Amazon, John Lewis, et cetera, and et cetera. But I see that as a huge opportunity. The fact in Britain, whether it's still stuck in the class system, as you know, I was reading an article, I think I might have sent it to James, that um, uh, Michel Roux, the, um, you know, the French restaurant, yeah. sort of said is a bit of a throwback to um, the class system in the UK, which is giving great service is considered to be servile. Yeah. Again, mm-hmm. yeah, I, just, I just think it's probably based on manners, respect for people, et cetera. So, um, and so, so for me, that that's something that's going to be a constant, even in an ever-changing world. So, how could you give great service and deliver an online? Um, it's about meeting expectations. I just bought a great online service called Masterclass. Um, got all sorts of people on there from great actors like Jodie Foster and even magicians like Penn and Teller, and also campaign managers like David Axelrod and all these sort of people. But the product has delivered in spades everything it's promised. So for me, that's not the sort of way I know. I, I like human interaction, but for me, yeah. an online product there has completely met my expectations. It's uh, That's quite um, it's something I wanted to come on to, actually, but it, it's a good point to talk about it now because the online world, and I've been discussing this a lot recently, picked on this show, is, uh, you know, we, we look at um, the biggies. We look at Amazon. We look at John Lewis. We look at you know, the names you've mentioned. We look at their online service offering and on the whole it's it's good yeah. uh, they try to humanize it as much as possible they mm. certainly try to get rid of all the friction so they try to yeah. make it seamless and they try to make it um easy for us so it's simple it's really really simple you yeah. click you're done um you don't have to go through loads of rigmarole um you know that that's that's great um you look at some of the legacy stuff my my mum's over staying with us for, yeah, for yeah. A, a while at the moment and she um she's retired now and loves europe so she comes across and she uses us as a bit of a base and off she goes and yeah. i was sitting online trying to book her into i can't even tell you how many galleries this woman's going to be visiting in the next two weeks. <laughs> but you go on these things and you look at you know different uh is a particular gallery then particular things you want to look at in, in yeah. venice and the, the online process is so cumbersome. It's, yeah, yeah. You know, translate, what have you, but it's so cumbersome. You look at it and think, bloody hell, how do they even get people through the door? Mm. And then she asked if, uh, she said, I'd love to go to the Houses of Parliament. I know they're in recess in um, yep. in August. Do they do tours? So we had a little look, and yes, they do. Have a guess how you book on a, a tour to the Houses of Parliament in Britain. No, go on. Go on. You do it you by phone them. 
No, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. You can't even book it online. Wow. Um, you know, and for me, I'm happy. I like to talk to somebody, but uh, yeah. but that is a very big stumbling block, particularly yeah. for foreign visitors. Yeah, of course. You know, and and so you think, you know, when I hear you talk about something that you've bought and you you're really enjoying and it's working for you, think great. You know, that's so it should be like that. You know, it's it's very difficult. Can I just stick back to that Michelle Rue quote because that's, yeah, uh, yeah. that's something that's um that's actually come through a number of things and um her Schultz who who set up or or reset up um Ritz Carlton yeah, um, yeah, yeah. he uh, his book came out a little while ago and I think some of these other chefs and and hoteliers have picked up on a number of things there to start banging quotes out so hers was on and on about this uh career in hospitality mm. and the difference in countries um, and very much Britain is suffers from what you've described as you know serve, there's a there's a servant master mentality in some of this yeah 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 you know you're you're only a waiter kind of mentality where yeah. in Italy France America um, it's actually a career choice and mm. people are very proud of what they do yep. um, and the difference is enormous we just uh, we just come back from a couple of weeks in Orlando and uh, yeah yeah you know, I won't talk about that because that'll fill the whole the whole podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> remarkable uh, fantastic place to go um and you get a mix of service but on the whole the levels of service are good in mm. fact they're above and you know people stop to chat to you people want to take an interest in you they personalize every interaction because they understand that's how it works um and i think what michelle picked up in that in that um article when he talked about these issues is is actually we've got to rethink this we've got to rethink how we approach our mm. businesses um and the staff within them and how we help them learn how to do a great job and be proud of that job to the point where they provide us with immense service yeah. because if they don't we're not going back and we don't go back to places we don't like. British people, I mean, I, I, I talk as an Australian who's lived here a long time, but in this country, people don't complain. They just don't go back. You haven't been out for dinner with me, James, recently. <laughs> well, you've been out <laughs> with my mum. <laughs> you know, complaining is, uh, you know, if it's not right, and Australians do this a lot, you know, if it's not right, it's not right. Um, and I'm paying for it, so it better be right. Um, yeah. But and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think no. that it's just a shame that we have to. Yeah, um, well, yeah. I think what's interesting for me is um, just to quote my father-in-law. He he always said to me. I remember doing quite a lot of recruitment years ago in the luxury goods industry and whatever for, for all sorts of players there in London. But I remember my father-in-law defined me great customer service, and he said it's just doing small things really well all the time, every time. And I yeah. never really thought about it like that. And I think for me, it's what happens when stuff goes wrong. Now, this is an extreme example and it's an expensive example, but it just typifies it for me is that, you know, I remember it was my wife's 40th birthday many years ago. And you're happy for saying that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> we went to Claridge's and, you know, I was really looking forward to that. Unsurprisingly, it wasn't a cheap weekend. Yeah? Yeah. But and then we arrived, the car parking was, they got the car parking wrong. Then our room wasn't ready. Um, and then um, the um, I really, really so. Sorry, let me come on to this. So, so those two things have happened. Now I can see Kate about to explode, but most importantly, the because um, he could see her about to slip. So he literally took her bags off and said, "Madam, come with me." She was literally whisked into the restaurant. Mm -hmm. She had champagne put it straight in front of her, menus put in front of her, and then it, it was just like a swan. Okay, right. You know it, right? Obviously, lunch was on them. Yep. 
Um, I didn't realize how, how much those sandwiches could cost. I'm glad I wasn't paying for them. More caviar, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but but it was the it was the move. It was just like bang, just move on, uh-huh. move on, move on. Anyway, finally, I got to I we go to the room, and um, I she was going shopping, and but I wanted to watch the rugby. You know, I was really anyway. TV didn't work. You're like, gee whiz, come on. You know, TV doesn't work. My, my TV works at home, let alone in carriages. Anyway, the engineer comes up. This Next thing you know, we get moved room. to the, the only room that was better was the Royal Suite. Okay? Right. Every time something was about to go wrong, we were about to. So it wasn't the fact that stuff goes wrong, because stuff goes wrong all the time. Yeah? It's how you respond when stuff does go wrong. And we left feeling... Really, what a phenomenal experience because each response was excellent. Um, and I think that's the case. You know, I had to buy, hire a dinner suit the other day. I just walked in and, you know, I'm a guy. I, I, I want a minimum amount of time. I just want to walk out with a yeah. thing. I was in there five minutes, fully measured up. And then the lady said, no problem. This is exactly what you want. Come back. It's going to cost that amount of money next Thursday. Pick it up at this time. You can go to your board on Friday. Effortless. Effortless. Yeah. That was thirty-five pounds. So it's actually a mindset and an attitude. It's not what the what is and and I think just a little bit of interest, some manners, um, some pleases, some thank yous. You now we go back to Matthew. We took his say his two buddies out the other day. These kids were immaculate. They spoke to the waitress. They said please. They said thank you. May I have etc. And the waitress, you could tell she was stunned at their manners. Now Matthew's got very good manners as well, but. So, and then the other one for me is, I, I think you, you should complain if it's not about, it's how you complain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think you need to cause any scenes or anything like this, but it's just pointing out yeah, that actually this is what my expectation was. This is what I ordered. And actually that's fallen by the wayside. Yeah. Yeah. So I think those things actually really matter. There's, um, there's how you complain is an interesting thing because most people will just hit the roof. Yeah, yeah. If, if things are, if I, you know, I'm, I'm actually before, part of the kind of my thoughts here is you, you mentioned um, Claridge's, which is obviously a very high end place. Yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned a dinner suit for 35 quid. Um, yeah. The more we pay, the more we expect. Yeah, yeah. And I actually think it's wonderful when you don't pay a lot and you get an amazing service because it just makes you feel superb. Um, but when we pay large amounts for things, we expect them to be spot on and we notice the differences very quickly. Now, yep. a lot of people would just go mad. If they turned up and the parking wasn't right and the room was right, they'd be spitting all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, but I remember, um, you know, I don't want to talk about my mum too much in this podcast, but I remember her saying to me when I was very young, James, you catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. Yeah, um, big stuff, and, big stuff. Uh, and it's absolutely true. If you want something to happen, people like to help people who are nice. Of course. Um, but but similarly, the when when they you know if, if you're nice, they will work much much harder to sort it out for you. When you spit and scream, they lose it. Um, they don't find it easy to respond. They're not often trained well enough as how to deal with people who are angry. Yeah. Um, and actually, you don't yeah. end up getting what you want. I couldn't agree more. And actually, it was interesting for me, but I did look at that moment and just think we could have pressed the red, you know, the red mist could have come over mm-hmm. and we could have just got really worked up. But and, you know, I, denying a Welshman a television when the rugby's on, I think that's that's tantamount to murder, isn't it? Uh, well, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> that could have been plenty of 
sense of humour failures going on there. I can imagine. I imagine. Yeah. So, what, what, um, so when you when you're talking to to the clients that you're working with now, and you mentioned your your your, your three things, just tell us what you mean by evergreen needs. An evergreen need for me is something that's um, the. And I do believe we. Sorry, let's just go back. We live in a very consumer orientated society that uh, looks like there's all sorts of wants and needs that, that we have to have. Okay. Yeah. Now, the truth for me is, you know, we do live in a very affluent part of the UK, but it seems amazing to me when I strip this back for children and for adults is we have a lot of basic human needs that we try and fulfill with all sorts of things. I don't know if this surprised you. I'm very unmaterialistic as an individual myself. Yeah. Uh, any jewelry, I'm not bothered by the car I drive, et cetera, et cetera, regardless of what I earn. Okay. And the truth is, we can serve ourselves a lot more by, for instance, things like human connection. Now, mm-hmm. that is me being wishy washy, whatever. But if you look, there is a basic human need, an evergreen human need to be connected to other things. Okay. Right. You know, why do people spend, I see, I was stunned the other day, dogs. Yeah. Now dogs are not my favorite. I'm, I'm not really a fan of dog. I was bitten by a few as a child or whatever, but you know, we are the only middle-class family around here without a beautiful, okay. Um, dog. Okay. I'm sure we are. There aren't many of us. Okay. Anyway. Uh, it's failing, Adrian. It's a real fail. <laughs> anyway. <we> can... <laughs> yeah. What is the purpose? That dog bring, I have seen children's anxiety drop because of a dog. Uh-huh which is brilliant. I've seen families come together, go walking more together, be more connected together, but that's a sense of belonging. So for me, an evergreen need is to belong and be part of human connection. An evergreen need for me is we always need to need um, to learn income. Yeah, we always, yeah. always need to have an income. We always need to have a purpose and a reason to get up in the morning. These are evergreen human needs, regardless of technology or whatever's happening. And if you can tap into an evergreen need, by definition, um, it's always going to be demand for that product. So when businesses are looking at their service offering mm-hmm. and they understand that that human connection, the importance of human connection, what should they be doing to, to make that a reality or make, make a higher level of connection in their businesses to make it more of a reality for their staff? I, I think for me, again, this, it, 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 um, let, let me give you my definition, if I can, just put this in context of okay. what's the ultimate, in customer service yeah okay so i asked my most important clients or sorry my most important that my longest standing clients i asked them look um and i do this every december i said i want to be better and serve you more next year yeah, yeah. than i have ever ever had yeah and i've got clients who've paid me every single month for the last seven years okay 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 and one of them said to me the, sorry the common element was i want you to anticipate my so these people i've got dramatic increases in you know, some of these people have doubled their salary in four years okay okay said to me i want you to anticipate my problems and take my stress levels down okay. now i could be really honest with you when i first heard that i sort of gulped a bit i went whoa i asked a question so you know i better better take the answer and then i thought to myself mm, how do i do that and so I thought, let's ask more. Let's ask. And, he, and he said to me, look, I'm not expecting you to be a futurist, but what you are good at, and I believe you can do, is, is look around the bend of the next quarter. Yeah. Anyway, I started doing some analysis and getting data, as I always do. And I thought, actually, there are different stages of people's careers and different stages. You know, he'd just been promoted and just took on a new role that involved different time zones. I could predict his next set of problems. 
with not too many problems. Yeah. Okay. Who are pretty accurate. But if you are able to one, anticipate what your customers' problems are going to be, and then two, solve them, but then have the humility to meet them where they are. Because it's very easy to be a smarty and go, hmm, hang about, I can solve your problems. It's much more difficult to go back to your customer, meet them where they are, pace and lead them effectively, and then solve the problem. So, so to answer that on a more basic level, I think the most important thing people can do is, is remember the costs of poor um, service. Okay? People are always banging on about new business development. You know, we came from a culture of new biz, new biz, new biz. Yeah. The smart yeah. thing I ever did was I realized by giving stellar service to one person who then wanted a team, my business development was done. Okay. So remind yourself of the costs. I'll go back to my suit example. Mm-hmm. Um, seven of us got our suits from that person. Yeah. Why? Because we're, we're guys. And, you know, I get a call on that Wednesday night from somebody saying, you know, my mate Wayne saying to me, where'd you get your suit from? Well, wh- where'd you get your suit from? So I tell him, then he tells the other people yeah. that wasn't one piece of business. That was seven. Yeah. Now, how many other people are we going to tell in this area and go, Oh yeah, just go and see them. That, that is sorted. That is so easy. That will take you yeah. no time to do it. So it costs you money. And also what about a little bit of compassion in the world? You know, a kind word goes a hell of a long way to when somebody gives you a compliment. Sorry, this is the very basis of everything I do. I believe we all need people who believe in us more than what we believe in ourselves. And it's just a basic human connection. If you are polite to people, nice to people, and listen to people. I remember interviewing from a major mobile telecoms company. A guy once, he was, they couldn't have messed my mobile telecoms up more than whatever. This guy was brilliant. He didn't say a word for 20 minutes whilst my business partner and I ranted to him. And he said, is there anything else you'd like me to discuss? Well, and another thing, and another thing, and another thing, and another thing. And then after 35 minutes, is there anything else you'd like to discuss? And then my business partner at the time, I said, apart from the fact that my wife and I had an argument today, can you sort that out as well? But <laughs> he'd sat there, he'd absorbed, and he'd said, then laid it back. Okay, so we've got three fundamental problems, one, two, and three. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, I can solve the first two right now. The other one I'm going to need to work on. Would that be okay if I solve those two now, work on this one, and refund you this? How could we object? Yeah. Listen to us. He'd understood us. He clearly communicated back to us. And frankly, we wanted to recruit him into our business. Number one skill of a salesperson, Adrian. What's that gone? Listening. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a, it's a skill you can't teach or you can help people learn. Everyone hears, but not everyone can listen. And uh, it's, yeah. it's interesting when you talk to you, the, the stereotype of a salesperson is the big talker. Yep. The best salespeople are the great listeners. Uh, you've absolutely that beautifully there absolutely. it's right into every aspect of service and and service is so connected with delivery that uh, that i think they're the same thing it's absolutely it's, and there's so many people that uh, that separate those two things in their businesses um yep. or separate business development from delivery and there's a disconnect um, yep. and that disconnect is a problem particularly when businesses scale um and or that they don't want to to train their staff, which is a whole different conversation. Adrian, we could talk all day, and often you and I yep. do. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I'm conscious of your time, but also Thank you. I'm Thank keen you. to find out. I just want the big question, Adrian. What's what's your golden nugget? What's the one thing you'd like to leave people with today that can help them make their businesses better for tomorrow? Okay. 
I think I think the, the the big one for me is which skill are you not focusing on yourself or training your your business to have that ultimately is costing you revenue? Which core skill? Because if it's a skill, it's learnable, and if it's learnable, it's teachable and it's scalable. Um, and how can you adapt? How can you adapt? Use that skill and apply it. That for me would make a dramatic difference on anybody's business. Fantastic. Something great for people to think about there. Adrian, thank you so much. It's been lovely chatting with you and uh, I look forward to catching up with you again very soon as well. James, I really appreciate today and thank you very much indeed. And um, no doubt we are, we are, we're due a lunch um, soon. So uh, let's get that in the diary. Well, that'll be on you then. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers now. I hope you really enjoyed this episode of the Only One Business Show and I look forward to sharing your company again very soon. If you'd like to subscribe, please do so wherever you pick up your podcasts. And in the meantime, have a great day. Bye for now.